Thank you for joining us for this educational program titled Rett Syndrome Update Evolving Management Strategies. It's provided by MedEticus and supported by an educational grant from Acadia Pharmaceuticals Incorporated. I'm your host, Carrie Allen. Before starting this activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements and learning objectives. You can find them linked in the description or on the activity page of our website, courses.medeticus.com, where you can also claim your CME or CE credit. Today, we're talking about Rett syndrome and updates on involving management strategies with Dr. Jeffrey Newell. Dr. Newell, please tell us a little bit about yourself and your practice. Hi, Carrie. My name is Jeff Newell, and I'm the director of the Vanderbilt Kennedy Center, and I'm a professor of pediatrics in the Division of Neurology, and also a professor of special education and pharmacology at the Vanderbilt University Medical Center. I've been involved in Red Syndrome for over 20 years. I became interested back in 1999 when the genetic basis of most cases of Red Syndrome was found, and I started being involved in both the clinical care clinical research and lab-based research around Red Syndrome for these last 20 plus years. I currently am actively engaged in following people with Red Syndrome here at Vanderbilt, doing clinical trials, and then research on Red Syndrome. That's wonderful. And your patients and the research community are lucky to have you involved. And before we get into some of the newer things, let's talk about the lay of the land. So how are we taking care of patients with Rett syndrome right now? Rett syndrome is a complicated, complex disorder with a multitude of different problems that range from the inability to have some functional skills like hand skills and spoken language, difficulty walking, to other things like seizures, constipation, reflux, scoliosis, issues with growth and nutrition, breathing abnormalities. And the way we approach this now is entirely symptomatic. We're using treatments that would be guided towards a symptom, such as seizures. So if people have seizures, we give them seizure medications that we'd give to anybody that has seizures, similarly for constipation or reflux. So we don't have any targeted treatment, so we're just using symptomatic care. And the we've had the development of consensus guidelines on to help guide the management because it's very important to the incorporation of a multidisciplinary team. When you have these complex sets of issues, it's important to bring in the variety of specialists that might be experts in these things, such as the child neurologists, the gastroenterologists, the orthopedic surgeons, the therapists, the physical, occupational, and speech therapists, and have a coordinated care working closely with a general pediatrician. Okay. There are some interesting things happening in the treatment of Rett syndrome. So tell me a little bit about what we need to know. What do clinicians need to know about novel and emerging treatments? Yeah, there's been a lot of excitement and hope that there could be the development of Rett syndrome targeted treatments. And going back to after the discovery of the genetic basis, this facilitated the development of disease models like animal and cellular models that could be used to understand the pathophysiology and to then develop and test preclinically treatments. And these treatments, including genetic reversal, showed great promise of really changing the progression of the disorder in these 
model system. So people have been very excited and that really led to where we are now, where we have had multiple clinical trials either completed, ongoing, or proposed that are really giving great hope that we may see the manifestation of new therapies for people with Rett syndrome that are specific for people with Rett syndrome. So can you tell us a little bit about some therapies that you're thinking of? Yeah, so there's been a recently completed phase three trial called the Lavender trial, which was testing a compound called trifinitide. And trifinitide is related to a tripeptide derived from the amino terminus of insulin-like growth factor one that in animal models showed the ability to improve the clinical features. This led to two phase two clinical trials of trifinitide in Rett syndrome, one in adults and one in children. Both showed that this trifinitide was tolerated and had signals of efficacy. This led to the LAVENDER trial, which was a large phase three multi-site placebo-controlled randomized clinical trial of trifinitide in people who are five to 20 years old with Rett syndrome. And there was 12 weeks of exposure with this oral solution, either get it taken by mouth or through G2. And the results of that were that the primary endpoints, which were based on a clinician-rated scale called the Clinical Global Impression and a caregiver scale called the Rett Syndrome Behavior Questionnaire, both showed positive results favoring trifinitide treatment. There was also a key secondary endpoint, which was a communication scale, which also showed benefit for trifinitide. So this is very exciting, medical primary endpoints and the key secondary endpoints. There were adverse events during this trial. The top adverse events were diarrhea with about 80% of people who were treated with trifinitide having diarrhea compared to about 20% of people with placebo. There was also uh, vomiting was the other major side effect with about 27% of people on trifinitide showing uh, vomiting. But most of these, nearly all of these adverse events were classified as mild or moderate. So I think these were very exciting results that have led to the recent approval of trifinitide as the first approved agent for the treatment of Rett syndrome. Another trial that has reported some top-level results was the AVATAR trial, which is a seven-week phase three trial of Bartamazine. This was in adults with Rett syndrome who had MECP2 mutations. There were 20 people who were on the active compound compared to 13 people on placebo. The report is the primary endpoint, which was the caregiver rated scale, the Rett syndrome behavior questionnaire showed benefit favoring the active compound. And there was also secondary endpoints, which was a caregiver rated scale of behavior and mood called the ADAMS, and then the clinician-rated scale, this clinical global impression and improvement, both of which have been reported to favor the treatment with barcamazine. There is also evidence of benefit in biomarkers such as GABA in the blood and a fatty acid, which showed that it looked like it was benefiting from the treatment of this compound. There is an ongoing open-label 48-week phase 2-3 continuation study called the Excellence Trial, which is underway. How do you see these treatments changing the management of patients in your care? Well, I think that 
the reported results and the now proposed initiation of additional clinical trials using both small molecules and gene therapy trials have combined all of these potential for new treatments, I think are going to have a big influence on how we manage patients with Rett syndrome. Because as I said, currently our management is entirely symptomatic. So having treatments that might really be developed specifically for Rett syndrome and might impact a lot of these clinical features we know that are present in Rett syndrome might really change how we manage it. Hopefully some of these new therapies would decrease the rates of some of these confounding and concerning issues such as seizure or improve the ability to communicate or decrease constipation or improve functional skills over time. And so that's going to start modifying how we're going to approach the care of people with Rett syndrome because, you know, hopefully we will have less issues to deal with with the utilization of these new therapies. These therapies definitely seem like they're going to improve the care of patients, but I'm guessing that the multidisciplinary team will still be a key part of managing it. Is that true? Yes. While these therapies will hopefully change how we approach, I still expect that there will be an ongoing need for a multidisciplinary care team encompassing these variety of experts to continue to be involved in the management of people with Rett syndrome. And are parents or colleagues asking you about these new treatments? What is it that they need to know about them? And what are you excited to tell them about? Yeah, I think there's a lot of excitement and interest amongst caregivers and parents of people with Rett syndrome, amongst patient advocacy groups, and amongst other physicians about the potential of, about these new treatments. And I think people are very excited to see how this clinical development goes, see if we come to a point where we have approved medications for Rett syndrome, and then how they're used and what the impact are. And so I think that there's a lot of interest in this. And I think one of the important things to know is that we're going to have to really learn more about these new treatments and the long-term effects in terms of benefits and also maybe side effects and tolerability. And so we're going to have to see how that is. And I think that it's also important for people to have realistic expectations about what some new treatments would be. I would love it to believe that we'll have new treatments that will suddenly completely reverse Rett syndrome and cure Rett syndrome. And while I continue to hold out hope for that, I think the likelihood is we're going to have treatments that will improve the quality of life of people with Rett syndrome, but they still will require a number of other support and interventions. Again, going back to the need for that ongoing multidisciplinary care approach. Well, that's all really good information. So if you could summarize some key takeaways for our audience, just things that you would like people to walk away from knowing what you know. Well, I think the key thing is that Rett syndrome is a complex medical disorder that really is going on throughout the life of infected individuals. And it really has a big impact on their quality of life and the quality of life of their caregivers. And with the complex and varied issues, it's really important to have a good coordinated care of a multidisciplinary team to address the various issues. And the published consensus clinical guidelines are very useful place to start to understand and guide these multidisciplinary teams. There is 
a tremendous hope and opportunities, I believe, based on preclinical work that new therapies can be developed in Rett syndrome that can have the potential to be really impactful and hopefully make improvements in the quality of life of people with Rett syndrome and their caregivers. So I'm very excited to see how things progress and to see all the advances that have happened in the 20 plus years since the genetic basis of Rett syndrome was discovered. Well, that's wonderful. I want to thank you so much for sharing all of your expert advice and information with us. And thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me. And thanks to everybody who listened to this podcast. Thank you for listening. To receive your free CME or CE credit, complete the questions and evaluation via the link in the description or on our website, courses.medeticus.com. There you can also contact us for suggestions and feedback on our programs.